It is wonderful to be here. It really is. Um, what an honor. I, thank you so much uh, to Pastor Mike and the church leadership for uh, inviting um, my family and I out to, to be a part of, of this weekend. And it's been such a joy to meet some of you guys. I first met Pastor Mike and Miss Terry uh, just over 20 years ago when uh, Julie and I were working uh, in a Christian school down in southern Georgia. And I was a part-time youth pastor in a church. And um, I'd graduated from Bible college, and while I was at college, I, I played basketball with the Flames, and I was in the band, so I'd traveled. I'd been in a lot of churches, but i got to tell you, when Pastor Mike came down to do the school revival, I don't know if I'd ever heard anybody preach like that. He was so good. And uh, as I have followed his ministry, yeah, and as I have followed this guy over the years, I think he's just gotten better. And uh, it's, it's, I'm just so honored and thrilled that he'd have me here uh, uh, and even consider me to be a part of Kirby Church. I also want to say that uh, over the years, Julie and I have always, we've heard a lot about Kirby Church, uh, whether it be at the softball tournament or a lot of other things, and uh, it's always been good. It really has. Uh, we have a, an incredible amount of respect for uh, Donald and Amy, and uh, again for Mike and Terry, and, and for what your church stands for and what you're doing. And uh, the past few years, I've had the opportunity with International Missions to travel to a lot of churches in our denomination across the country, and some even around the world. And I've got to say that what you have here is so incredibly special. Uh, God is doing some really neat things here in Flat Rock, Michigan. I believe that God's positioned your church to make an incredible impact in Flat Rock, in the greater Detroit area, and really to the world beyond. And it's exciting to be a part of that. And so, again, thank you for allowing me to be here. Right now, it's been great to worship with you. Um, incredible. I love that time together. But I'd like to invite you to now join me as we look at God's Word and spend just a few minutes here. I want to share with you uh, what God's laid on my heart here the last couple of weeks. Pastor Mike, when he asked me uh, to speak, I uh, was asking him about you know what he'd be speaking on the week before. And he started a new sermon series last week, uh, Desperate House Lives. If you haven't had a chance, if you weren't here last week, I invite you to uh, check online and listen to that message that Brother Mike brought. And I just want to continue that series this morning. And what I want to talk to you about is the parents' priority. Now, uh, how many parents do we have in here? Okay, a lot of you are parents. Um, your kids may be grown and gone. You may be grandparents. You may not be a parent yet, but someday uh, you may be. I'll never forget 19 years ago when my first daughter was born and uh, being there in the delivery room and how overwhelming and incredible of an experience that was and taking this little bundle of joy, this beautiful, precious little girl home and thinking to myself, what do we do now? You know, and, and so many times I'm, I'm, I've been like the guy in the picture up here just scratching my head. That's a lot of times that's what parenting is like. I'm not going to say anything about the lady uh, pulling her hair out. But, uh, you know, sometimes that's just how it is in parenting. And, and uh, it's full of joys, but it's full of desperate moments sometimes too. And really learning to rely on God. And so I want us to look from God's word. Uh, how we can maybe set some priorities in our life to be the parents that God would have us to be. And if you have your notes, I've given you just a little bit of an insert because I'm the type of guy, I like to take notes, I like to write things down, it helps me to, to remember, and I like to go back and look at things, and so maybe that's you. If you would, just fill in there in the very first blanks, it says, a parent's priority, here's our main priority, it's to gradually transfer a child's dependence away from us, away from them, the parents, until it rests solely on God. 
Now let's make sure we have that. Our priority is to gradually transfer our child's dependence because when they're born, when they're little, man, they depend completely on us, right? We bottle feed them, change their diapers, get them tucked in the crib and help uh, teach them how to walk, how to talk, and all those different types of things. And our priority is to gradually transfer their dependence upon us, not onto themselves, not onto their friends, not onto their environment, but onto the God who created them. Now, where does that come from, all right? Well, it comes from the book of Deuteronomy. There's this incredible passage uh, that Moses is going to give us some amazing principles that I want to share with you here this morning when it comes to priorities in parenting. And it's in Deuteronomy chapter 6, so if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. And let me just give you a little bit of a precursor. In Deuteronomy 5 is where God gives Moses the big ten, right? The ten commandments. And so Moses has just shared the Ten Commandments in Deuteronomy 5, and here's what he says in Deuteronomy chapter 6. He says, these are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you, to observe in the land that you were crossing Jordan to possess, so that who, say it out loud with me, so that you... Okay, so that also your children and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live. As you teach your children to fear the Lord, you teach them to live according to God's command. And as you teach them to live according to God's command, God literally allows you, gives you the opportunity, the privilege to impact your children's lives, but parents, not only your kids' lives, but generations to come. And generations after that, what an incredible responsibility, what an incredible privilege, what an incredible joy for us. Now, there are two things. How do we do that? How do we transfer dependence from us as mom and dad onto God, our, the creator God, the God who loves them, created them, and gave his son uh, for them, right? So how do we do that? How do we transfer that dependence? Two things. The first one is, if you'll write this down, it's to love our God. It's to love our God. And Donald summed it up so well. It's to bow. It's to sing. And it's to live. It's to put God at a place in our life where he is our sole priority. He is everything for us. And, and this comes again uh, here from Scripture. Look, look at this phrase. It's a devote phrase that the, the, uh, the Jews would say three times a day. They would quote this phrase morning, noon, and night. They would basically say, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Okay, from Deuteronomy 6, 4, and 5. It says, love the Lord your God with what? All of your heart. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength. That's everything that's within us. Moses doesn't say, love God sometimes. Love God with part of your heart. Love God with most of your heart. Love God with 67.7% of your heart. No, it's with everything that's within us. It's with all of our heart. But wouldn't you agree that so many times in our lives, we love God with a little bit of our heart. And it's not with all of our heart. And there, there's an incredible danger in doing that. And, and let me just kind of share this with you. When, when we go to get a flu shot, Right, We go at kind of the end of summer, we go to get a flu shot, we go to the doctor, we go to the nurse, and I don't know how you feel about needles, I don't like them, but, but we go and I want to get the flu shot. What is in the syringe? What is the, the nurse going to shoot into my arm? A little bit of the flu. The nurse is going to give me just a little bit of the flu, and that little bit of flu is going to make my body immune 
to the full-blown virus in the fall or the winter time, right? The fear is, guys, I would argue that so many times what happens in parenting is parents will give their kids just a little bit of God. And they will miss out on a full-blown relationship of bowing and singing and living for the God who gave his all for them who created them and loves them and desires a personal relationship with them. And we make our kids sometimes immune to the incredible things that God has for them. Guys, we do them an injustice when we give them just a little bit of God. God is calling us to love him with all of our heart. And I've just found from experience what happens in my life relationally is so much better when I'm loving God. When I'm loving God with all of my heart, soul, mind, and strength, guess what? It makes me a better dad. When I'm loving God with all of my heart, soul, mind, and strength, it makes me a better husband. It makes me a better neighbor. It makes me a better employee. It makes me a better brother, a better friend, a better son. It changes everything about me. And this is what God is emphasizing here. This is what he's calling us to do as parents. Our priority, number one, is to love God. That's how we do it. That's how we transfer dependence from our children onto us, onto God, is by loving him. We demonstrate that. Now, the problem is in our world that we live in, honestly, there is so much competition for us. Now, I don't know about you, but I, my, my dad had 11 brothers and sister. he grew, uh, sisters. He grew up on a farm. Mom had nine brothers and sisters. I got tons of aunt and uncles, okay? And um, I don't know all of my cousins. Some of them live right here in the Detroit area. But uh, I've got all those big families, and we didn't have a whole lot growing up, but, but, you know, things were still pretty good for us. But we fall into place at times, wanting to give my kids more, right? I mean, we, we all do that. We want to give our kids more than what we had. We want their lives to be better than what we had. We wanted to give them the best that we can possibly give them, whether it's clothes, cars, or send them to the best school, or, or give them the best opportunities, you know, where, whether it be in sports or other, other types of things. And if we're not careful, what can happen is we find ourselves living our lives revolved around our kids rather than around God. And serving him. I can't tell you how many times in, in the past 22 years of ministry and, and just, just loving on people and, and, and getting to know families that every now and then, you know, there'd be a family that, that would just go missing in action, you know, MIA, and, and we just wouldn't know where they were. And, and um, one of the most uncomfortable places for pastors to go sometimes is after lunch Sunday to Walmart or to Target or somewhere, and you run into those people. You haven't seen them in a while, and it's kind of those awkward moments, you know. And it's, but because you love them, you say, hey, I haven't seen you in a while. You know, is, is the, fam- the kids all right? Family doing okay? And inevitably, the answer will come back. You know, Pastor, uh, Brother Joe, I, I am sorry but, you know, we, we had vacation and Disney World, and I had extra work piled on me. Then it was, you know, the tournament games, and it was all these, and we've just been too, what, busy. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart. And you're too busy to worship together corporately with God's people, to be plugged in, to be a part of what God's doing. Guys, God never intended for Christianity, for following God, for loving Him, for bowing, for singing, for living for Him, to be a, a, a bystander sport. It's not something where we're supposed to go sit in the stands and, and just kind of watch what's going on. It was never meant for us to come in late to a service and hang out and leave early before the invitation so we can get to the restaurant before everybody else. That's not what it's about. And don't think for a second, kids don't see that. It's about living for Him. 
It's about loving him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. It's about being a part of what God's doing. It's about discipleship and growing and loving others and being a part of a small group and finding your place of service. It's about all of those things. Last week, I, I had an opportunity to visit South Korea. And uh, it was just incredible to be there among uh, Christian people and visited some, several different churches. And uh, the people we stayed with, they had a son. He was 26 years old. His name's Kunje. And, and um, he's an avid baseball fan. He studied English for six years, and he's still he's working on it. You know, it's kind of some broken English, but, but he, he knows everything about baseball. Man, he knows the statistics. He knows the players, where they played. And he said, Brother Joe, he said, you need to come and go to a, a Korean baseball game with me. Because it is so different than American baseball. I said, yeah, I know. Americans are a lot better at baseball. And, and uh, you know, and he said, oh, no, no, no. He said, you need, to, you need to understand. He said, Korean baseball is so different than going to an American baseball game. You've got to come experience it. I didn't know what to expect, okay? And, and it, it was unbelievable. When you, we went to see the heroes versus the twins, all right? These were the LG twins and the Nexus heroes. And uh, this was at the Heroes Stadium in Seoul, Korea. Uh, I think it seats about 20,000, 30,000 people. Half the stadium is for the Heroes fans. The other half, they make sure the Twins fans sit there. And it's an experience unlike anything I've ever had before in my life. I imagine it being sort of like the World Series mixed with World Cup soccer, just craziness. It was unbelievable. And just so you can understand, I, I want you to see it firsthand. I took a little video, and I want you just to kind of grasp and understand what Korean baseball is all about. Check this out. Hey, everybody. Here I'm at the, I'm here at the Dong Stadium in Seoul, Korea. That's the Korean version of Donald. Up there, leading. I mean, the Koreans have done an incredible job of creating a culture so that when you go to the game, it's not just to be a bystander. You know the songs, you know the chants, you know the cheers. And I was so caught up in this. And what I began to notice was it wasn't just guys going to a ball game like you might see sometimes here in America. It was, it was families. It was mom and dad with little kids. And, and, man, they just were so enthralled in this game. They, it just drew you in. And you were a participant. As we love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, God has invited us into this incredible relationship, not to be a bystander, but to be a participant. And part of our transferring our kids' dependency upon us onto God is when they see us live out our life, loving God, not as a bystander, but as a participant, learning just to love Him out loud in front of them so that they can see what that looks like and, and, and be a part of that. 
How important is your role with your children and how you live out that love relationship with God? Well, I came across a study a few years ago. I want you to see this. This was basically a study of kids who had grown up and become active followers of Christ. Okay, For those who had grown up and become active followers of Christ, if if mom and dad both went to church, then 72% of those kids followed Christ as well as they grew, grew up. They were actively involved in church as well, 72%. That's pretty important, isn't it, mom and dad? Now, here's the deal. What if only mom went to church? That number dropped, okay? If mom only goes to church, it dropped to 15%. Dad, how important is your role in leading your children into that love relationship with God? If dad only went to church, then that percentage jumps up to 55%. Daddies don't ever underestimate the importance of your role in, in leading your kids into that love relationship with God. Now, how about this? If neither mom nor dad went to church, the number drops to an astounding 6%. Parents, do you love God with all of your heart? Or just some of your heart? The second thing that Moses teaches us, this passage teaches us, as when it comes to transferring our dependency from, from our, our children onto us, onto God, is this. Write this down. First one was to love God. The second one is to lead our families. Lead our families. God is calling us to lead our families. This comes from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 6 and 9. Here's what it says. It says, these commands that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. And then look at what it says uh, on verse 7. It says that we're to impress them onto who? Our children. Talk about them when you sit at home. When you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up, tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. God talk, spiritual talk, your love relationship talk with Christ isn't something that's just supposed to happen on Sunday mornings on the way to church, right? Or after church or on Wednesday nights before uh, you come to Wednesday night activities or before VBS. It's supposed to be something that's 24-7. Every opportunity we have with our kids where it's an opportunity for us to talk about God's word, our relationship with him and how it impacts them and how it impacts their life. This is so important for us. Now, what I want you to understand here this morning, uh, well, real quick, let me share this quote with you. Edward Windsor, uh, or Edward, the Duke of Windsor, I'm sorry, uh, had this quote to say about America. He said, the thing that impresses me the most about America is the way the parents obey their children. That's scary, isn't it? The way the parents obey their children. And here's the thing. Are we leading our kids or are our kids leading us? And you've all seen families, and maybe you've been there, if you're really brutally honest with yourself, where you've let your kids lead you more than you've been leading your kids. And that's not what God's called us to do. According to Deuteronomy 6, we're called to love God and we're called to lead our families. Now, I'm, basically, here's what you need to understand. I believe that leadership doesn't just happen. I believe leadership must be intentional. Leadership needs to be intentional. Okay, it needs to be intentional. Now, I think this, this is different for every family. Julie and I, it's different for us. I'm, I, I'm in ministry. Julie's a, a full-time teacher. And so how we lead our kids intentionally is probably different than how you might lead your kids intentionally. So I'm not going to tell you how you need to do it for you and your family. But I do want to share you some things, share with you some things that I think are important for us, some things that we try to keep in mind as we lead our kids intentionally. And the first one is this. We try to place a high value on our commitment to God and the disciplines. Okay, so when it comes to prayer, when it comes to 
learning Bible verses and reading the Bible, when it, when it comes to uh, being a part of, or listening to godly music and, and being a part of missions experiences or youth camp, we try to lead intentionally so that our children can be a part of those things because we value a commitment to God and the disciplines. The second thing is we value family time. We value family time. Some of, some of the most powerful, some of my most favorite times with my kids are sitting at the dinner table together and just enjoying a meal together. We love to hang out. We love to go on trips together. We love to, to go on vacation together. Fortunately, you know, Julie's family came, she came from a family that loved to vacation and do trips. And my family loved to camp growing up. And so we love to integrate those times and spend time together having fun as a family, playing games, singing songs, going on trips, leading and valuing your family time. You have to do that intentionally. It's not just going to happen on its own. The third thing we like to try to do is we like to, to lead uh, relationally. Parents, can I give you permission for something here? It's okay to go on a date without your kids. Matter of fact, I think you probably need to date without your kids, okay? Find a babysitter. Get somebody to help out. Go on weekends alone without your kids. Make your relationship a priority, priority and let them see that that's a priority in your life. I like to take opportunities as well. I have daughters, so I like to, to take my daughters out on a date. I want them to understand and see what it's like for a godly man to love on them so that when some hairy-legged, bushy-headed guy comes along, right, they know how they should be treated and what that's like. And I, I want them to understand that. So we got to lead relationally. That's so important for us. We're very countercultural. Can I, can I give you permission here this morning to be weird? It's okay. When I taught at Glenville Christian Academy, they had a slogan, different on purpose. And I believe as Christians, when it comes to the culture that's going on and, uh, around us and in our world, it's okay to be different. Our kids know that just because everyone else is doing it, they don't get to. It's not like that. We, we live differently. We make uh, different choices in our life. We don't let culture determine what we're going to do and how we're going to do it. I'm going to skip the next slide, guys. So how do we lead them? The Bible calls it training. There's a very well-known one. My favorite books in the Bible is Proverbs. If you read uh, one chapter of Proverbs a day, at the end of the month, you've read through the whole book. You do that every year. You've read through Proverbs 12 times a year. There's so many leadership principles in the book of Proverbs, especially that relate to children. But one of them here, Proverbs tells us that um, uh, we are to train up our children the way that they should go, right? So when, when they're old, they'll not depart from it. They'll not turn away from it. That, that word train up is a Hebrew word. It's the word kanak. Can everyone say that with me? Can you pull that up on the sl slide? Here's how you say it. Can you say that? Kanak. That's weak. Let's say it again. Ready? One, two, three. That's pretty good, okay? What that basically meant was uh, the, in the Hebrew culture, they would have a midwife. And so when the, when the lady gave birth, woman gave birth... Uh, the midwife was there to help with this newborn baby, and she would dip her finger in some paste, and she would rub it on the kanak. The kanak was the palate of the mouth, and that would initiate, that would start or create a hunger, a nursing hunger for the child to begin to nurse. And that's what we're, we are to kanak our children. We are to initiate a hunger, a thirst for righteousness, for godly things. And when they see us living that out, we're to train them up in godliness so they, they understand and know that the godly way of life is the right way of life. It's the best way of life. It's what God has called us to. Now, very quickly, I want to share with you some things in Proverbs. I'm going to fly through these. There are seven things that I believe we can apply to our lives 
as we take our children and we lead them, okay, from being dependent upon us to being dependent upon God, our number one priority is parents. Loving God and leading them intentionally. The first thing we can do from the book of Proverbs is we can train our children to manage God's money. To manage God's money. To understand that everything we have, guys, is God's. And God's asked us to be stewards. The second thing we can do is we can train our children to carefully select their friends. Proverbs 13, 20. It's so important that they understand how to, how to develop their friends and what kind of friends they have and how friends will impact their life. The third thing is we can train them to watch their words. The Bible tells us that what comes out of our mouth is a mirror of what's in our heart. And we can determine so much by what's coming out from what's being spoken. Another way is we can train our children to be responsible. How are you doing in handing responsibility off to your kids and training them in being responsible adults? The, the next thing is we can train our, our kids to be generous. It starts with learning how to share your toys. Isn't it interesting? We have to teach our children that, right? Learning to share those things. Learning to be generous in what they have. And, and learning to be givers. And most importantly, parents, remember to train our children, to fear God. And what we mean by fearing God is to be in awe of God, of His greatness, of His goodness, of His grace, of His mercy, and teaching our children just to be in awe, be in fear of the Lord, to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Now I want you to understand something very quickly. I believe in the church's role in helping raise up godly kids. I believe in that. I believe in children's ministry and youth ministry. I did that for many years. I think it's so important. But guys, scripturally, the sole responsibility lies upon us as moms and dads, as parents. It's not the church's job. They're partners with us. They're to help us. They're to aid us, to come along beside of us. But it's your job and my job. That's a huge responsibility, but it's also a huge blessing, isn't it? This past... Um, Monday, when I came home from Korea, I had one of those powerful parenting moments. Um, Julie and the kids picked me up at the airport. I'd been gone for 14 days, and um, we went to uh, went out to eat supper, and then went home. And I, as normally, I, I try to get some little gifts, you know. And so I brought them some gifts from from Korea. But uh, little Claire, my six-year-old daughter, brought this out and gave it to me. This is something she said, Daddy, I made this for you. It looks like a shirt with a tie. She made this in her kindergarten class. And on the top of the page, she drew, uh, when you opened it up, she drew a picture. And it says, Dad and me. And she drew this beautiful little picture. Isn't that cool? And it was just one of these powerful daddy moments. Now, here's what I want you to see. The next, when you look at the bottom of the card, it says, Who's my favorite man? As a six-year-old, who's your favorite man? Number one, his name is Joey. Don't get ahead of me. His name is Joey. Secondly, he works and tells people about Jesus. How cool is it that my six-year-old gets that, that she's captured that, that she knows that. He's 43 years old. I just turned 44 while I was gone, by the way. He's 55 feet tall. God help her to always remember that, right? When she brings some hairy-legged guy home, I hope he thinks I'm 55 feet tall. I love that. He looks like my uncle. That's my brother. I look a lot like my brother. He smells like cologne. It could have got really bad right there, right? I smell like cologne. He loves to eat shrimp. He doesn't like to get angry. And my favorite thing to say to her is, I love you. Wow. 
transferring our, depend, our kids' dependence from us onto God. That's the priority. How do we do it? We love God. We bow. We sing. Right? We, we praise God. We live for Him with our whole heart, mind, soul, and strength. And we lead intentionally. Let me pray with you. Father, we thank you uh, for the blessing of children. And yet, Lord, we um, openly admit the challenge. We know that. We know it's not always easy. We know it's a struggle at times. And I thank you for your word that has clearly um, shown us these priorities that we need to have. God, I pray that right now that you would really impress upon us about our own personal relationship with you and the importance of living out our faith, our love relationship with you and the importance that has on our kids. God, as we love you with our whole heart, mind, and strength, I pray that we would also not be bystanders in what you're doing in this church and around the world and even in our lives, but that we would intentionally lead our kids so that God as they learn to love you as well, and they're shot out into this world, God, that they would live for you and that they would impact this world for you. Would you just keep your heads bowed in your bones? Man, I think this morning, every parent, every grandparent just needs to come and pray for their family. To lead their children with intentionality to fear the Lord to knock to put some paste inside of them that would cause them to hunger and thirst after the things of God so I'm going to ask you to stand with your heads bowed and eyes closed maybe this is just a good moment dads for you to reach over and grab your wife's hand and just come and kneel and pray for your family and just ask God to bless your leadership, your love relationship, your love for Him in your home as well. And so Don's just going to sing just a verse and just a chorus. And you know your heart. God's speaking to you. I want to pray for your family.